Well, hello, everyone. Happy holidays. Hope you are safe and enjoying some time away from whatever it is that occupies your <laughs> weekly rundown. DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long. And here we go again. I mean, this is going to be a difficult show to do because as we sit down, so much is still up in the air for this weekend's game against the Seattle Seahawks, DeMarco. No doubt. I, I thought you meant here we go again with the Christmas shopping, last-minute stuff. Well, around. I thought you had already squared that away. No. Are you done? See, thank uh, you for the pause. I, <laughs> it's bad that I don't know, right? No, it's normal. You're busy. Uh, I got you can it. Indict me with my pregnant pause there. I guess. <laughs> Please, honey, we are done. Is that my? And thank you. Please I got and my thank list. You. Yeah. Yes, but I'm with you, man. This is, um, you know, I, I, I give Andrew Whitworth all the guys, you know, a lot of heat. Aaron Donald a lot of heat about. You wouldn't be able to play in my era because you wouldn't be able to practice in my era. But this is the most unpredictable era of football I've ever seen in my life. You have absolutely no idea who you're going to line up with from one week to the next. Even the day before the game or the day of the game, you find out you're going to be missing guys. And you have to rally up and keep going. That's that's hard to do, man. That's hard to play and that's hard to coach. Right. And we'll try and keep this as broad and evergreen and yeah. applicable as possible because it's an ever-evolving situation. And there's a long way to go before Sunday mm-hmm. and this game kicking off. Um, but it is a fascinating and crucial one for both Seattle and Los Angeles. I think one of the better rivalries in football. And it's been slanted towards the Rams since Sean McVay's been hired. And I think there's very much an open-ended question about, is this the last go-round for the era that includes Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll? Like, Is this group coming back? Or has Seattle, if they were to be eliminated from the postseason, reached the point where they're going to change out some pieces? That's something we can discuss on this edition of Rams All Access. But let's look back before we look forward. And a memorable Monday night football win... And I can't wait to see over this next month, hopefully too, the ramifications it has for the Rams season and where they go from here. I thought it was huge. Uh, Coming off that three-game losing streak, and Les Snead brought it up and I forgot about it, you also had the bye before Greenway. I mean, that was a rough month. And then you come back and you beat Jacksonville, and you see where Jacksonville is now and what's going on there. So you didn't get much credit. And Arizona was hot. I mean, they were playing great football the week before. Like I said, Kyler Murray, during that game, wasn't even touched versus Chicago. I mean, they tackled him only one time in the field. It was either out of bounds, touchdown, or he got the ball off. So, And then to see what the Rams did to him from the first play to the last, under duress, made that guy have to be special just to make plays to stay on the field, and the Rams made more of him. So I thought it was huge. Uh, Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford found their link up again. OBJ uh, is getting more ingrained in this offense. The stars showed up, so I thought it was huge, man. It was a it was a get back game for the for the Rams, a get right game for the Rams, and you also cooled off Arizona at yeah. the same time. Yeah, it had had um, two feelings for me. Who wanted it more? And I think the body language of the Rams dictated that they had rallied around their adversity, mm-hmm. and it meant more to them, and they were after it more intently. And then it, it was almost an NBA type feel. Whose stars are going to win the night? Right. And you know, Kyler played played really well at times. He made some remarkable plays. <laughs> he he graded out. You yeah. know, aside from two two particular interceptions, pretty well. I mean, yeah. he did a lot of things to rack up yards and to potentially win that game. But the goal line interception with the chance to go up two scores that 
Aaron Donald got a hand on and Ernest Jones picked. And then the the acrobatic play that Leonard Floyd made, that's why the Rams won. I mean, it, it comes down to those moments. Um, and it could have been more decisive if uh, Matthew Stafford's face mask gets flagged or any other things. It, it could have been more than just a one-score win for the Rams. But, um, you know, that's not germane to the conversation. I think the Stars rose to the occasion, those who were available and able to play. And the Rams... Uh, I mean, what more can you say about the coaching staff and the job that they did? I can only imagine what it was like to be in those meetings and in that locker room for the pregame speech. You know, crossing the I's, dotting the T's. And uh, like you said, uh, that that postgame was awesome, watching those guys come in and watching Sean McVay. Like that told you everything, right? Meet them at the door. I mean, absolutely meet guys at the door, and he's jumping in the arms of guys and... You know, they, they gave the game ball away to one of the equipment guys, and the, the team just goes nuts. Mm-hmm. And then they're all waiting for Whitworth, who was the last guy to come in, because he started a game at left tackle at the age of 40. And just to see him walk in the middle of that group after they were already excited and then get reignited again, yeah, it was. It could have been a turning point. We'll see. We'll see what they do this week versus Seattle. But, yeah, you haven't seen that type of joy in a while out of that team. That was great to see. I mean, and now that we've talked about the Stars, like, look, I think there's a danger here in, like, lingering too much on this Monday Night Football win because it is a short week. Yeah. There's a division opponent coming to town, and, you know, our talking doesn't necessarily influence <laughs> their emotions and, right. and their focus. But just run through every position group with me, if you don't mind. Like, offensive line, you mentioned it. Whitworth starting at left tackle at 40. Joe Nopum making his first career start at right tackle. Coleman Shelton filling in at center against one of the teams that he got his break in the NFL with on their practice squad. Matthew Stafford's best game of the season are one of them at quarterback. Sony Michelle continues to redefine, mm-hmm. you know, the, the identity of this running game. The receivers have seemingly weathered the storm and settled in post-Robert Woods. Mm-hmm. Like, you now have... A clear number one, I think, and then two very good number twos in OBJ, who is lethal as a number two in Van Jefferson. Tight ends, whole new whole new group. Wow. Like, everybody yeah. had to rise up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then defense. I mean, is there a better interior defense in the National Football League right now than what Ashawn no. Gaines, Aaron Donald are giving you? And I hate to – well, I hate for one reason because of Sebastian Joseph Day, but these two guys, Greg Gaines and Aaron Donald, have been the best tandem in the league – Probably the last month. I don't. They have been absolutely turned it up. It better be unanimous. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't studied everyone, but it better be on the edges. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is how it's supposed to look in the yeah. National Football League. Vaughn's still uh, missing that first sack. He gave that that third one to Aaron at the end, right? right. He should <laughs> he should have had Kyler. But so interior is great. Edge is playing phenomenal. Ernest Jones is now your four, your wow. three down off ball linebacker, mm-hmm. right? Your safeties. I think Jordan Fuller is all is. Pro Bowl worthy. Yes. In his second season. I think you said it on the broadcast. You're exactly right. Great angles to the ball. He doesn't miss a step. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I, I want you to yeah. interject along the way because I'm just riffing here. Yeah. And then as depleted as you've ever been at corner and David Long, who basically had, you know, I don't want to say his season shut down, but A.J. Green got his starting spot. Over back, that one. Back in yeah. week four at SoFi Stadium. Yeah. And he was asked to rise to the occasion, and did he ever. That was awesome to see. Kareem Orr gets an opportunity. I mean, Darius Williams has to be the number one guy, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. not normally the number one. That's all Jalen. So, collectively, it wasn't a perfect night. The Cardinals got their yards, but they made winning plays even at a depleted, maybe the most depleted position group. Great pressure on Murray, and they were scrappy in the back end. I mean, that's all you need to have a chance to win a game, and then they made enough plays to win. Um, I'll say this. 
Um, since Von Miller came in and you had to figure out the pecking order, and I'm sorry to say this about T. Lou, Terrell Lewis, I think they got the rotation right now. Yeah. yeah. You've got Floyd, you've got Von Miller, and then you've got Oboe and Hollins now that's back coming off the bench. I think that might be the right mix for right now. Who knows that could change, but for at least that game versus Arizona, that's the right four you needed out there. I mean, if you're the team that has trouble finding pass rushing reps for Terrell Lewis and even Chris Garrett, that's who's, a good, who's that's yet a good to have a helmet, up, like that's that's a really great place to be. <laughs> that's in, a good problem in, in terms of your depth. All right, deep breath. Eight <laughs> minutes in, I think it's finally time to put. The Arizona Cardinals win behind us. Now right. let's turn our attention to the week ahead. We'll talk some some other ancillary items too. Um, is Cooper Cup worthy of MVP honors? And if not, is he capable of being the offensive player of the year in the National Football League? Uh, we'll do our playoff eliminator contest. We'll take a look at the playoff implications of Sunday's game. But let's just quickly turn our attention to the state of the Seahawks before we dig in much deeper. Are you buying this little two-game run that they're on with Russell Wilson back healthy and at the controls? Are you buying? Are you buying Seattle? Oh, absolutely! I'm buying Seattle. Uh, even when they're bad, I buy Seattle because of Russell Wilson. And these the last two weeks. I mean, to beat San Francisco the way you beat them. I mean, they had a seven point lead going into the fourth quarter, and they made it stand up. And San Francisco was moving the ball down the field to win the game, and Seattle just would not break. So that was a confidence builder. And then you roll that right over to you know beating the down Houston squad. They're getting ready to gear up to beat the Rams. This is how you save your job if you're Pete Carroll. This is how you get things back on track if you're Russell Wilson. If you're, you know, you're kind of off the Seattle bandwagon. Well, this is how you set yourself up for 2022. You beat playoff teams. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, this two-game winning streak, you better take it seriously because if you don't, it could stretch to three, and you can go back into the L column, and they could do it handily. Russell Wilson is still making plays out of nowhere and this defense like I said is starting to make plays they're not going to change schematically but they're starting to get those effort plays that's the hallmark of Pete Carroll's entire coaching career these little things you're doing on defense just to get the ball take it away recover fumbles pick off passes give your offense a chance to score from short fields yeah believe in this Seahawks squad for the last two weeks forget the rest of the year believe the last two weeks I mean, if Seattle were to win this game, they've still got a clear pathway to a wild card spot in the (laughs) wide-open NFC playoff picture. But if the Rams can put them out of their misery, I mean, this might be the end of an era. If the Rams win on Sunday, one, they have a clinching scenario. It's going to take some other things. I'll I'll run those down in our next segment. But the Rams would be at, like, greater than 99% to clinch a playoff spot if they win on Sunday. And the Seahawks would be at less than 1% odds. So this, this is a turning point game. No question as they get together for the rematch. I'll throw it back at you like this. It depends on who beats the Seahawks. If Cooper Cup and, let's say, Sony Michelle beat the Seahawks and you beat them by 10 points or more, then I could see the buzzers start to circle in on Pete Carroll. But if it's Matt Gay with no time on the clock and it barely gets over the upright mm. and Pete Carroll standing out there with his hands on his hips like, wow, we let this one get away – I think he may come back for another year. <laughs> there may be, may be some confidence there. Well, I mean, we all know that the Seahawks have done some amazing things over the last decade. Yeah. And they have been maybe a notch below dynasty, right? They, they could have had another championship out of it. Maybe we would look at it differently. But they've, they've had a run of dominance. No Let's doubt. just put it, put it that way. Yes. They've been the most consistently achieving team 
in the West. Um, but the Rams have had their number. Right. Um, and that was even before Sean McVay, but certainly since Sean McVay was hired, they've had some unique authorship in maybe winding down what was the Legion of Boom and, and the Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll era. We'll see if we get another matchup with those mm-hmm. two, and we can talk about that as we continue on this edition of Rams All Access. Coming back, though, we will get the latest from the Rams. Uh, unfortunately, had to shut down the facility at Cal Lutheran. So a couple of days uh, away doing remote preparation for the Seahawks. What's the latest as they look ahead to Week 15? We'll check in with the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay, after this on 710 ESPN. This has definitely been um, the most uh, uniquely challenging situation we've dealt with with COVID um, over the last two years, no doubt about it, specific to our team, the amount of people that are affected, both players and staff. And so um, don't want to get into too many specifics, but there's going to be more people that are affected by this. And how we navigate through this is going to be key and critical to, uh, you know, to our success moving forward and navigating through the rest of the month of December, finishing up our regular season into January. Welcome back to Rams All Access. Los Angeles getting set to host Seattle at SoFi Stadium. Only two more regular season home games. And you just heard from Sean McVay there, the latest on the Rams, as they deal with even more adversity. And it's not unique to Los Angeles. Uh, Cleveland's going through it. Plenty of other teams across the league. It seems like we're, uh, we're heading back into unfortunate and dangerous territory here, DeMarco, with a month to go in the NFL regular season. You know, safety first, man. I know this is important. We're we're in December. We're starting to think about postseason, the Super Bowl, all that stuff. But safety, safety first. And if you have to be down a few players to protect others, then so be it. You have to play your way around it, coach your way around it. Everyone has to deal with the same stuff. So, uh, it's I guess we're kind of used to it at this point. We kind of understand it a little bit more, and I think we're a little more understanding of when you have to put guys down. It may be frustrating, but that's just the way it is. Of course, an evolving situation, a long way to go before game day. So we're doing our best to make this conversation mm-hmm. as broadly applicable as possible. Is there anything you can draw from or describe from for us, DeMarco? Like, how do you get ready to play an NFL game with little to no practice and with so much uncertainty about who's going to be at your side? Well, it's funny. It depends on what type of team you are. This is obviously a playoff caliber, championship caliber football team. So, And it's veteran-led. So some of these guys could use with a week off, a, a few days off, like Aaron Donald loves to practice. He loves to play football, So, but he could stand to use a few days off. Andrew Whitworth, the same thing. Um, you know, He's going through the motions sometimes. He gets it. He understands it. He knows the adjustments. He's out there because you need a left tackle, and you need some sort of complimentary pieces to get other guys ready. But at this point, I would bet you can coach through Zoom. I bet you can coach uh, through text messaging. You can get everybody on the same page mentally. Um, I'm not sure you need the physical as much in mid-December, but the, the advantage this week will be for Seattle because they're actually on the grass. They'll have the physical, yeah. physicality advantage. But I think if you don't turn it over or blow the game up early, you can get going in a game on Sunday. You, you don't really have to have it during the week. But only certain teams and special teams can do that. And I think this team is more than capable of being able to play their best game without actually being on the field, putting their feet on grass throughout the week. And we'll get the latest on the Seahawks coming up in four-down territory, our weekly trip inside opponents' territory with DeMarco Farham, J.B. Long. And this is a Seahawks-Rams preview edition of Rams All Access as we enter the final month of the season. All right, let's get into a little bit of what's at stake. We mentioned the playoff odds in our previous segment. There still is a pathway for the Rams to win the West, and who knows, maybe even ascend all the way to the top of the NFC standings. 
But I think given what transpired on Monday, we know a few things. One, Green Bay and Tampa Bay appear to have a very favorable path. They are probably the more likely one seeds in the NFC. Um, The Rams still need a lot of help to overtake the Arizona Cardinals. It's not impossible, but it probably requires winning out and a couple more Cardinals losses because the tiebreakers are still very um, slanted in Arizona's favor. What's what's your take on on that whole NFC rundown in terms of is there a a matchup that the Rams wouldn't feel good about? Is there a destination the Rams don't want to be in if they do have to play a wild card? uh, just just take me to your thoughts there on how it's all shaping up with four games to go. Well, just from a Rams perspective, if you look at what they have left, I mean, Seattle, you've beat them before. Uh, you can do that again. We've seen that. Minnesota, the Sean McVay has beaten this group, this, this style of Viking squad, yep. a Mike Zimmer-led Viking squad. We've seen them win there. Um, Baltimore is going to be tough, but Lamar Jackson is kind of banged up with the ankle, so that could go either way. Uh, the tough part about that is number one, you got to play Baltimore. Number two, you got to play them there, mm-hmm. and you got to travel. So that's going to be tough. And then at the end of the year, it's that San Francisco squad again that you just can't figure out. So um, this has its pitfalls, but it also has some things that are going your way. So we'll see what happens down the road. But no, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think you should fear having to go anywhere, say for outside of going back to Green Bay. The weather, it's going to be cold. And, you know, you know what happened the last time you played Green Bay in the postseason. You were kind of banged up just getting there. Mm-hmm. So uh, all that stuff says that, you know, maybe Green Bay in Lambeau might be your your toughest opponent. But you've won in Tampa. You beat Tampa this year. Uh, you can beat Dallas. You can beat pretty much anyone else that's on your, your regular season um, schedule and if you have to travel to certain places. The only one that gives me pause is seeing Aaron Rodgers in in uh, in Green Bay, that's that's a tough road to hoe for anyone that has to go through that. You think the combination of roster, quarterback, and home field environment makes Green Bay the most daunting team? Yeah, I, I'm not. I, yeah, just the weather, the field, the conditions, and Aaron Rodgers is playing with a chip on his shoulder. And they're getting healthier at the right time. Like they're getting some key pieces back on on both sides of the football, whereas other teams seem to be going in yeah. the other direction. All right, there is a clinching scenario for the Rams this weekend. The Rams have to beat Seattle, and then they need a Minnesota loss or tie and a New Orleans loss or tie. So again, that's Rams win, uh, Minnesota loss or tie, Saints loss or tie. The Saints are at Tampa Bay. Which could happen. Could happen. Minnesota at Chicago, that's Monday night. So Mm. as it stands, as it's currently scheduled, the Rams wouldn't know about their playoff ticket being punched until the end end of week 15 you can't trust chicago to do anything no (laughs) you really you know if they beat minnesota i wouldn't be surprised if they get blown out i wouldn't be surprised and quite honestly if it has to wait another week until you're sure sure you're going right so be it but a win over seattle is the most important ingredient of course and that would take the rams chances as we mentioned to uh almost guaranteed wow almost guaranteed how about the fact that the rams i don't want to overlook this have now put together five straight winning seasons under sean McVay. Awesome. It had been a 13-year yeah. drought, and I'm probably guilty of overlooking that on Monday night, too, because of all the other commotion that was going on. But to be better than average in this league is is a claim to fame. I mean, it sounds it sounds lame, but it really is. The sport is yeah. built to go what used to be 8-8, eight and eight, now I guess either 9-8 and eight or 8-9, eight and nine, but like there aren't many parallel examples where it's, it's a hard salary cap. You know, the draft is designed to bring the teams that missed the playoffs up and the teams that made the playoffs down. You schedule, you, you play a number one, uh, a first place schedule, or you play a last place schedule. Like, 
what Sean and Les and the Rams have done in this in this five year stretch, I don't want to overlook that and take that for granted. Uh, you know the downside of being in Los Angeles, really, it is. I mean, any other place, you're you, you have a parade. The guy's got a statue going up. Really, think about it. Five straight winning seasons. Yeah. That's amazing. But and their ambitions are bigger. They're they're no a victim of their own expectations and goals. Right. Rightly so. But you are in the shadow of the Lakers championship, the Dodgers championship. So. You have to win a championship here to get your due. But for the the rest of the football world, what he's done is remarkable. It's unbelievable. It is. Uh, to stay at the top and to be in contention every single year, to be a winning franchise, bro, I mean, for my first five years in the NFL, we were a losing team, and then we finally got it right. I remember the day we celebrated. This is 99, the year we won the Super Bowl. We celebrated our ninth victory. We're finally not a losing team in the National Football League. And there were more tears than when we won the Super Bowl. I mean, it was a big wow. deal to get over the hump. So to have that be not just a goal, but you know, a benchmark, and then to surpass it every single year, you've been a head coach. Yeah, I mean, worth every penny. We say this about Jalen Ramsey, about Aaron Donald, worth every penny. Sean McVay is worth every penny and more. Uh, the culture he's brought in, the attention, the detail, and like you said, how hard it is to win in this league, he continues to stay ahead of the competition. When you've got him figured out, he evolves. He goes from 11 personnel dominating the NFL to you can't do that, we've got a defense to stop you. This year he's rolling out 13. I mean, he's evolving as a head coach, and he continues to to stretch that culture even farther with the goal in mind of winning the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, it's a remarkable job, but he's not done yet. And don't get me wrong, the goal is to win the Super Bowl, especially when you're hosting it, and especially when you've made the moves that the Rams had have done in this calendar year, right? Mm-hmm. They're telling you how many times have we said it, we are all in, right? So I get it. They'll be judged ultimately by whether or not they did. But let's just say selfishly from our professional standpoint, it's almost Christmas. <laughs> and and <laughs> right. we're and we're yeah. still talking about everything being on the table. That right. is a joy and a privilege. It really is. And I'm cognizant of it this week, especially because I can only imagine that's what it's like to to have been a Seahawks fan or broadcaster or media member for the last decade, right? Oh, yeah. Since they drafted Russell Wilson, no losing seasons. No doubt. And so that's been a decade plus, and maybe this is the year where that comes to an end, that winds down. But in the background, now all of a sudden the Rams have done it five years in a row. One playoff miss there, but five years of winning records and hopefully many more to come. That's awesome, man. The, the one time I'll look back on this show, I can remember talking about the draft in October. Year after year. Talking wow. about the draft. Like, what are we going to get in the draft sure. in October? So, this is a welcome change. I'm also used to it. And there's a way to do it. And I love the way they are doing it. I like the way they're going all in. But it's more than just trying to win a championship. It's it's being in contention and building a franchise. Building a program that continues to gain steam year after year after year it's hard to do but once you got it you don't want to let go of it Hmm. all right seahawks and rams week 15 at sofi stadium essentially a playoff elimination game for the seahawks and by the way the seahawks are on demarco's playoff eliminator list (laughs) we'll do our latest round uh coming up uh before rams all access is finished we'll take a look at the rest of the division games and really the other key games in the nfc playoff picture because it's now time to i think expand the conversation beyond the west to really who are the key uh nfc players still as they pertain to the rams seeding but coming up next it's four down territory we've got a special guest to get the latest from the seahawks as they prepare for the unknown which roster 
Which Rams offense, defense are they going to see at SoFi Stadium this weekend? We'll discuss as we continue on this edition of Rams All Access. You're listening to 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Rams All Access. The Seattle Seahawks hoping to keep their playoff hopes alive and the Los Angeles Rams looking to punch their ticket to the postseason. Coming up at SoFi Stadium this weekend in Week 15. We are privileged to have Michael Sean Dugar with us from The Athletic. Does a great job covering the Seahawks. You can follow him on social media media at Twitter. It's at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Michael, Sean, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Well, I appreciate you joining us on a short week and a tricky week because who knows what Sunday is going to bring across the National Football League and especially with respect to this matchup. What have the reactions been like there locally in Seattle observing what's going on with the Rams from afar? Yeah, I think that the Seahawks recognize that they're not at a point where they can really worry about anybody else. Uh, I mean, they're five and eight, and they can't like scoreboard watch if they win a game or um, see how many guys are hurt on the other team. I mean, unless it's the quarterback, um, you know, like when they played the Cardinals, that was a thing where their Colts or Kyler would play. But they're just so there's so much wrong with them before the season, and there was so much wrong with them earlier in the season that at this point. Like, yeah, they, they have, like, a sheet that says, hey, this is how many Rams could be out. But the main thing for them is, like, we don't care if they put out 22 pro bowlers or 22 scrubs. We just have to win the game because at the end of the day, uh, a loss all but ends their chances of making uh, the playoffs. I'm Michael Sean Dugar from The Athletic is with us. He covers the Seahawks for that outstanding site. Take us inside this little two-game resurgence. It's nice to have Russell Wilson healthy. I'm sure they're putting up some points. Are you buying or selling uh, the turnaround for the Seahawks, given what you've seen on the field? I've always bought the defense. Like The defense kind of made a change in week four when they played the Niners. And since then, they've had you know a great coverage team. They've had a coverage in, uh, in the secondary. They've been lights out on third down. They're like one of the best third down teams in the league. Uh, they're one of the best scoring defenses in the league. And this is for the whole season, not just since week four. They're really good in the red zone. Um, they force a lot of punts. They were, they're one of the best run defenses in the league. Like I've always bought the defense since about week four-ish, even with that kind of bad performance they put against the Rams in week five. The offense has been you know, the issue. And I always tell people, when the offense is bad on any team, start with the quarterback and work backwards. And that was the case. You know, Russell looked bad against the Packers. He didn't look much better the week after. He didn't look much better the week after that. Um, and so these two games, well, what's changed? Russ has looked much better, uh, I thought. And I even talked to um, somebody on the staff yesterday, and they said, look, man, when I got on the plane leaving Houston, I was like, three is back. You know, and so it's not just the fans. It's not just the media. Like, even guys on the staff are like, oof, right, we got number three back, so we're good now. Like, he wasn't back in those first few weeks. He's, like, actually back now. And, and because of that, you would never know these guys are five and eight. Like they really think that they got a shot, largely because number three is himself again. Michael Sean, how are they overcome? Speaking of defense, the loss of Jamal Adams. I, I know he's kind of a lightning rod for analytics conversation and trade value and whatnot. But man, when he was on the field against the Rams, we felt his presence. What's it like without him? Yeah, I mean, it's they only played the one game without him, and they started Ryan Neal and his presence in uh, his absence and. Uh, Ryan's a good player. You know, he's, he does a lot of the same things as Jamal. You know, he can blitz. You know, he's the only DB with a sack, I believe, this year uh, for the Seahawks. He can blitz. He can cover. 
um, both in man-to-man and, like, kind of off coverage because Ryan started his career in the NFL as a corner. He played safety at SIU, Southern Illinois. So he could do a little bit of everything very similar to Jamal. He's a little lighter than Jamal. I think Jamal's around, like, 215. Ryan's only about 200, and that, that 15 pounds matters a lot when you're asked to fill the C-gap. You know, like there's not small dudes in there, tight ends, pulling guards, tackles. You know, you got to be able to, you know, do that for a whole game, and that's hard when you're 200 pounds, which is why corners don't really, you know, be in a lot of the run fits. Uh, but it's, it's been tough. You know, I talked to uh, one player on the defense, you know, after Jamal got hurt, and I was like, man, how big is this? And he was like, dog, Jamal does so much for us, and people just don't realize how much of our scheme he impacts whether the ball goes his way or not. So um, they were able – they got fortunate. Their first game without Jamal was against the Texans. The Texans are very bad, as the Rams know. I mean, they smoked them by, like, 30 or something. Um, so this will be the real test, you know, for Ryan. You know, he's never started a game against the Rams. He didn't play but six or seven snaps uh, against the Rams in week five. So it, while they're confident in him, this will be the real challenge to see – if he can really step in for Jamal and do all the things that Jamal does in this defense. All right, we're fortunate to have Michael Sean Dugar with us from The Athletic to preview Seahawks and Rams. And Michael Sean, final question, and this is kind of spinning it forward. There's all kinds of reports about Russell Wilson's no-trade clause and what it means to the future. And look, if they rally and make the playoffs and go on a run, I, I could very well envision a future where the Rams are playing Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson again next season. But if not, if not, should we be surprised if this is the last time that this particular group comes down a closing stretch of a season? No, and I don't think so. And I think one thing that's like gone unnoticed, and maybe I'll have to write about it, is like how much of an inflection point that some of these Rams games have been for the Seahawks. You know, 2017 got blasted at home by the Rams. Blasted. The worst home loss it had. You know, and that, that meant a lot. Like, that spelled doom for that iteration of the Seahawks, particularly the defense, and it was. And some of the guys on that team never played for the Seahawks again. And then, you know, the 2019 game down in L.A. let the Seahawks know, like, whoa, our offense is an issue. And, and it was, um, as it proved to be the down the stretch uh, of that season. Even the wild card loss last year, like, Russ all but demanded a trade after that. And they fired the OC after he had a top 10 offense for the third year in a row. Like the Rams have losing to the Rams in the way that they have has really done something to the franchise in all but pretty much the 2018 season. And after the year, they got swept uh, by Los Angeles. So I think this game has potential to, to be similar uh, in terms of its impact. You know, I mean, and it's why the Rams have had Seattle's number that is so frustrating for guys up here, including Russell Wilson. It's the trenches. The Rams are always better up front, and it's always evident in all of the losses. The Seahawks either can't run the ball, or they can't protect Russ, or they can't get to the quarterback. Um, and one game, I think they couldn't stop like Daryl Henderson. Um, so I think that if this game goes poorly specifically in the trenches again for Seattle, that could really be the quote-unquote final straw. It's like if, you, if after all these years you can't get better in the trenches to beat a team in your own division, then, like, why keep all three of the, the major players in this equation together? Michael Sean, we thank you again for joining us on short notice for some perspective on a tricky week. As I mentioned offline, I've long admired your work. I hope that our audience will take a look as well at uh, everything you do for The Athletic. I appreciate it, man. All right, happy holidays, and we'll talk soon. That's Michael Sean Dugar from The Athletic to preview Rams and Seahawks. DeMarco Farr is back next for Playoff Eliminator and a look around the NFC. You're listening to Rams All Access 710 ESPN.
All right, once again, happy holidays, everyone. Hope you have a safe and enjoyable weekend. And for those of you in the greater Los Angeles area, hope you can join us at SoFi Stadium. Only two regular season home games remaining. They're both division rivalry contests, the Seahawks this weekend, and then in January, the San Francisco 49ers to close out the regular season. Back with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long on this edition of Rams All Access. Let's take a quick whip around the NFC and highlight some of the key games. Let's start with the Arizona Cardinals, no longer with the best record in the NFL. Still, they can go to Detroit, one win Detroit, and punch their playoff ticket, Cardinals and Lions. I feel bad for the Lions. I really do. Uh, You know they're going to rally the troops in Arizona after what just happened on Monday night. Short week, does not matter. Uh, They may put it on Detroit, you know, handedly. Mm -hmm. I I really do. I think Kyler Murray, uh, without some of those picks, was playing a fantastic game. Uh, I think the same thing will happen against Detroit, except there'll be no comeback. All right, elsewhere in the division, the San Francisco 49ers are now a winning team. Wow. Seven and six playing host to the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons still alive in the wild card picture. What do you think about San Fran? I mean, what can you make besides the fact that they just know they can beat the Rams? If they could play the Rams in the wild card, the divisional and the NFC championship game, I think they've got Super Bowl potential. <laughs> right. And I know that's cheeky, and I, it's no. I don't mean it any other way than than I said it. They play their best football against the Rams, and they look like a Super Bowl contender against the Rams, even when they don't have their top-line talent. See, you've heard me say this is Niner week, and it kind of gets downplayed, even by Sean McVay. It's just another team. I think up there, they still believe it's Rams week, and that's how they play. They absolutely come after you every single time they're on the field with you. Mm. All right, they can move one step closer to finding their way into the playoff picture, and who knows, that might entail not one but two more collisions between these Mm -hmm. rivals before all is said and done. I've also got my eye on the NFC East. I don't necessarily need you to break down these games, DeMarco, but there's still so much to be decided in that division. As it stands now, the Rams would be going to Dallas for a playoff opening contest. Very comfy. Uh, Dallas, the four seed at nine and four, but they still have a whole lot to decide within that division. Almost the rest of the schedule is NFC East against NFC East. Cowboys-Giants this week football team eagles this week as well so the division winner there very much to be decided all right let's get to the top now of the nfc green bay in the driver's seat facing a wounded baltimore ravens group in baltimore i'm looking well i know what green bay is we saw them up close uh, in lambo um i'm looking to see what baltimore is going to be or and more specifically what lamar jackson can do when he can't run all the time Mm -hmm. Uh, he's got an ankle we'll see what happens Uh, maybe they rally maybe they play better defense there but I I think this is I wouldn't say Green Bay's year but Aaron Rodgers is going to be a tough out for anybody even if you're healthy is going to be a tough out it's starting to be about that time where you take a closer look at the Ravens. Where are they and what type of challenge are they going to present just after the new year? And then two games that have uh, impact on the Rams because if the Bucks and the Bears win on Sunday night and Monday night respectively and the Rams win over the Seahawks, the playoff ticket will be secured for Los Angeles. Let's start with the Saints, 6-7, and seven, going to face the Buccaneers, 10-3. and three. Right now, DeMarco, the Packers have the easiest remaining schedule on paper, but the Buccaneers also look really good to make a run for the number one overall seed in the nfc in the bye i'd be surprised i would i I would bet my house if i were a betting man that the saints can't beat tampa bay but who knows Uh, the only reason i'm saying that is because i still think i don't know who's going to start or what their quarterback position is going to look like for new orleans and when you decide on the guy what style of game are you playing if you're sean payton you know what i mean but 
Sean Payton can Sean Payton just about anybody on game day, yeah. so even even Tampa Bay. So we'll see what happens there, but I'll, I'll take Tampa in that game. And on the short list of opponents that have given Tom Brady trouble, the Rams are right there. Right. The Saints are right and there. And then this guy, absolutely. But it's a different animal in the current, uh, current, right. current arrangement. And then lastly, Monday Night Football. The Vikings are next on LA's schedule, a Christmas trip to Minneapolis. They are at the 4-9 and nine Chicago Bears for Monday Night Football. At some point, we're going to put some respect on Kirk Cousins' name. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not sure. No, I'm there with you statistically. <laughs> yeah. And yet his team has a losing record as it stands, yep. and their playoff spot is far from secured, but... He's made himself a lot of money again this season, that's for sure. No doubt. When he plays great and has great numbers, they lose. When he doesn't, they win. It's just, it's bizarro world with him. It's right. crazy. Well, let him have a all-pro game this weekend and maybe come they back lose. down to right. next Something weekend. Something like that, right. <laughs> All right, to our playoff eliminator contest to wrap up the edition of this edition of Rams All Access. Uh, the latest installment had uh, me... JB Long selecting the New Orleans Saints, <laughs> speaking of, and DeMarco opting to hold his choice for this week. So to recap, I've got nine teams in my portfolio. These are all teams that I am counting on to miss the playoffs. I get a point for each of them if they do. Lions, Jacksonville, Houston, Miami, the Washington football team, the Colts, they're giving me pause, Carolina, Pittsburgh, New Orleans. So those are my nine. DeMarco has these eight. Both New York teams, Jets and Giants, the Seattle Seahawks, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Atlanta Falcons, Minnesota, uh-oh, DeMarco, mm-hmm. Cleveland, Chicago. It's your serve. Wow. And again, if you pick a team that ends up making the postseason, you're automatically out, even if it means that both of us lose. Let me look at this again. I have two teams, and they're playing each other this week. Let me look, um, because it's either going to be Cincinnati or Denver. Okay. <laughs> to miss the playoffs. They're both in third place in their respective divisions. You want, uh, you want to know the percentages right now? Go ahead. Yeah. For the Broncos, a 20% chance of making the postseason. For the Bengals, a 30% chance based on their remaining schedules and their respective divisions. I heard Joe Burrow say that no one wants to see Cincinnati. I like the confidence out of the quarterback. So there, I'll go with Denver. I'll take the 20% chance team, Denver, to miss the postseason. Okay, so we've each selected nine. We're getting down to crunch time. We are definitely in now some elimination scenarios, right? Like, I can go ahead and check the Detroit Lions. I right. can go ahead and say the Urban Meyerless. Ooh, we don't need to go there. <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars. We can start assigning points. But again, remember, if you have a team that makes it to the postseason, it wipes everything this out. This is coming down to the wire. I like yeah, okay. It was it was an experiment, and yeah. I know you were skeptical, and rightly so at first. Hope it's been fun for you and for our, for our audience, and maybe <laughs> even get a free dinner out of it when all is said and done. <laughs> Final thoughts on the most important game of the week. That, of course, the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams. Okay, let me say this. Same for Matthew Stafford when we said the over-reliance on Matthew Stafford's arm was going to hurt you, and I think it did during that three-game losing streak. I'll say the same for what's going on up front. Um, Aaron Donald and Greg Gaines have played most of the snaps the last three weeks. Uh, you got to get more. You've got to get them rest, and this is when Coach Eric Henderson has to step in and put those guys down. I mean, absolutely step in front and say, you can't go to the field. So we need more Hoyt. We need more Copeland. And look, Sean Robinson, I love the way he's played, but he's got to play more than half the game, at least for the next few weeks. Uh, and not necessarily because of what he's doing, just to give those other two guys some rest. Because if you do lock all this up and you get into the postseason, you need that front especially to be as mm. healthy as they can be 
to make a run. So we're looking for some others to step front and play some major snaps. Ten extra more snaps a game and give those other guys rest. I think that's important. And that's exactly where the tension of this week lies, right? Because are you going to have the option to replace frontline guys with depth or your number is going to be so limited come Sunday Mm. that it's going to be another one of these all-hands-on-deck-by-any-means-necessary types of three hours? Mm. Boy, we'll see. Thank you for bearing with us. Uh, A lot to be determined, of course, in the next three, four days. I hope you enjoyed the program and looking forward to seeing as many of you as possible at SoFi Stadium on Sunday. Meantime, have a safe and enjoyable holiday season for DeMarco Farr, Adam Bronstein, our producer. I'm JB Long, and this is Rams All Access on 710 ESPN.